wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome. You can connect with Bleeding Daylight through Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. The links are at bleedingdaylight.net. Please rate and review Bleeding Daylight through your podcast app and share episodes with others. Today's guest is no stranger to podcasts. In fact, he's helped many hundreds of people grow their initial ideas into flourishing published podcasts. Eric Nevins is the founder of the Christian Podcasters Association, where he serves a community of thousands of podcasters from around the world, assisting them to build and grow their podcasts. He hosts his own successful, long-running podcast, Halfway There. He holds a degree in biblical studies and a Master of Divinity with an emphasis in spiritual formation. And he's my guest today on Bleeding Daylight. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It really is such an honor to have you on Bleeding Daylight, and I want to jump right in and ask you to help me get a handle on this thing called spiritual formation. What does that term actually mean? Spiritual formation really is just the study of how we grow spiritually. And so from a Christian perspective, it would be how do we grow in a Godward way, right? So in a way to, in our interactions with God, to become what I would argue is the most important part of walking with God, someone who is like him. So it's really coming down to that whole idea of discipleship. But I guess when we start using terms that have been around for a while, they become loaded and we just assume. So it's really freshening that idea so that we can come back to the basics of what this thing should really be about. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's been a thing that has kind of come back to the fore. You know, I was really influenced by people like Dallas Willard, Richard Foster, Eugene Peterson, some of those guys that I really loved. Then they've kind of started this movement, right, that that now we see quite a bit more of these days. Most of the time, we recognize that this whole idea of spiritual formation or of growing in our faith, growing Godward, is not necessarily just the pattern that we so often hear about, which is come to know God, go to church get filled up every Sunday and go out and do that during the week. We seem to have kind of skipped some steps along the way, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. So I I think you and I would agree on this, that your faith is really for your entire life, right? And that walking with God, I talk about it in terms of a partnership. I love that language in or participation, right? In second Peter one, he says, we get to participate with the divine nature. I don't know exactly what that means, but it means I get to show up somehow, right? And God shows up as well. And I, so I think of it as a partnership. I think that's kind of language changes a whole lot of things. So often we see, as I say, that regular pattern of just get yourself to church. And, and we're not saying that that's a, a bad thing, but oftentimes it does seem to be ticking the boxes. So where do we go if we're wanting to just not tick the boxes? How do we make that going to church on a Sunday or being part of a a midweek Bible study or whatever, how do we make that part of that spiritual formation rather than an exercise in ticking boxes? Well, for most people, it tends to start with some kind of 
practice that they find is really valuable that maybe is different than what they grew up with. So I talk a lot sometimes about the idea when I was a kid as an American evangelical in the Midwest, the answer to literally any life problem was read your Bible and pray. But nobody would tell you what that meant, right? But those were the only two real spiritual disciplines that we had. And we didn't really cover a lot of like, how do I actually do either of those things? Those are good practices, obviously, reading reading your Bible. Just like church attendance, I would not say those are bad things. But learning how to do those things in ways that feed your soul is very different. I'll give you an example. There's one practice that I discovered that I really love called Lectio Divina. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It is kind of a meditative way of ingesting scripture, I would say, of just kind of taking a passage and you read it and you take it in and then you let it, you just kind of listen and you ask the Lord to speak to you. You can do it over any time you want. So it can take a few minutes. It can take 15 minutes. It can take an hour. I've taken passages that I've taught on and then thought about them for years afterwards, right? And kind of meditated on them in a way and kept having conversations with God about those passages over time. So, but that was a practice that I discovered. And then I found out was actually a thing. I kind of did it naturally. And then I learned about it from a Jesuit priest who was my spiritual director for a little while. That practice helped me begin to go down this spiritual formation road even, even further. And it's interesting that you're talking there about something that seems to be so far removed from that evangelical churches growing up that you had, and then you, you're you talking about this Jesuit priest that you're in connection with, and it just sounds so different to what many people would experience. How important is it that we reach out and not just keep our mind open and take anything that people throw in, obviously being discerning, but how important is it that we look at the width and the breadth of, of our faith rather than just following the same old line? I think exploring other traditions or streams. This is one thing Richard Foster has done for me is he calls them streams, right? The streams in the desert, I think. I can't remember the exact title of the book, but he he calls them all these different streams of the faith. And I just love that example or that metaphor because there are things that we can get from every single one of them. So I growing up in an evangelical tradition, I love the Bible. Like that's the thing we pounded on, we talked about, we shared, and we always went back to I got a degree in biblical studies because I wanted to learn the scriptures. And I find myself recently coming back in some key ways to my biblical studies foundation and enjoying that. But it was good for me to go to my Roman Catholic friends and the tradition to learn some other prayer practices that weren't part of my tradition. It's okay. It was good for me to figure out that actually a recorded prayer I could think about that and I could pray that and ask God what he had for me in that in a way that could actually do something for me and move move something and allow God to speak to me. And that was different for me to experience, I think. And then there's others, right? So like I haven't really explored a lot of the charismatic tradition. I haven't explored a lot of even the social justice tradition, although maybe lately in the last few years in uh, particularly in the United States, there's been a lot of more social justice things coming up. And so I've had to deal with and explore some of those kinds of things. I think it's critical. And I think as you do that, you can expand your view. I also am a huge believer in reading church history as a Protestant. Sometimes we think that church, the church started in, you know, the 1500s or whenever when with with the reformation, there's a whole lot more there and it's worth studying and worth learning. 
One of the things that the scripture is very big on is the whole sense of unity. We know mm. that, you know, where there is unity, there is a blessing that God promises that. That's one of his promises. So how important is that in actually discovering these other streams in actually bringing us together rather than focusing on those things that keep us apart? I love that. I love that Psalm 133, I think, is all about unity and it describes unity as like this beautiful oil kind of running down on the beard of a, of a king or something, someone being anointed. I think that's really impressive imagery if you go read it. But I think God cares about a lot. And I think if we decide to lay down some of the things that we don't agree with and look at the things that we do, we're going to find a lot more connection and Ultimately, we're all human beings, and so we all have something in common, even if we have different beliefs and, and practices. Are there some things, though, that are the absolute essentials to faith, that sure. if we are believers in what the Scripture says, that these are the things that are non-negotiable? Yes. Yeah, I agree. There are. So like, I'll give you an example. One, one place I was having to wrestle with that recently is we're starting a podcasting network for Christian podcasters, and I had to ask myself, do I want to have any kind of spiritual or theological boundaries here. And I came to like the Nicene Creed, you know, is like maybe the basics for me, you know, for the whole faith. Those are the essentials as far as I'm concerned. And then there's a few other things maybe, but even some of that, I think, for instance, we can just, we disagree on justification and sanctification, but those are good conversations to have. And maybe there's something we can learn in, in both things. So I don't know, you might feel differently about it, but I, I enjoy having those conversations. What What do you think? I think there's certainly the opportunity to have those conversations. And in my day job, I spend a lot of time with such a variety of denominations, Christian denominations. And so I have learned, as have you in different ways, to love the various traditions, to understand what's going on with them. And, and there's some, as you say, that you think, nah, that's perhaps not for me, but they yeah. are still my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there, there's still that connection. There's still that unity, even if that's not the way that I choose to live out my faith, that I believe that God is taking me down a different one of those streams, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think the Holy Spirit sometimes is doing things that we just can't see. And so I want to be a little attuned to that and open, leaving enough room for him to work in a different tradition. That's one thing I've learned from doing my podcast, actually, halfway there. I've heard so many stories, you've been a guest, that I'm just convinced, even things that I maybe at one time was a little bit skeptical of, God using, I've heard that story. I can tell you, I've heard God brought people to faith at church camp. God brought people to faith through a crusade. God brought people to faith through a campus ministry or all kinds of other things that I just, I can't. I can't dispute it. God brings people in the way that he does, and I don't get a say, <laughs> you know? And that, and that's probably best that we, we aren't right. the final arbiters. <laughs> right. We just, I just, you have to just let it be the way it is. And so maybe somebody gets brought into a different tradition or denomination and okay. Now I think there's maybe, there's some interesting things. We maybe don't want to go into all this happening in the United States right now and feel a little dubious about, but even that, I have to trust that somehow God is God is working. I want to talk a bit about your podcast now. And Jeff Bezos has said that it takes about 10 years to achieve overnight success. So I'd <laughs> love to love to hear about the overnight success of your podcast halfway there. 
So halfway there, actually, just yesterday, uh, as we're recording this, turned seven years old, and I I po- made a little post about it, and I was really excited because if you had told me in let's say 2014, 2015 that it would still be around in 2023, I would probably have been a little amazed at that. And it really is a lot of fun hearing people's stories, hearing about the spiritual journey, which honestly has been up and down and all over the place. Every kind of experience that you could imagine. I'd love to get more, particularly around the world, but I've learned so much about kind of the different movements and regions of the United States where I especially focus uh, has been pretty interesting. And of course, as you're talking to such a variety of people, you're getting their stories. And one of the things that sets your podcast apart is that it does recognize that even after becoming a Jesus follower, there are struggles, there are doubts, and sometimes Mm -hmm. a sense that God is silent. Why do you feel it's so important to acknowledge those dark nights of the soul? Yes. Okay. So the whole reason I started halfway there was to address that. So when I was a kid, the testimony, the the story of your faith was my life was terrible. Then I met Jesus and now my life is great. That was basically it. What I came to learn as I started to study the spiritual journey is that that's wonderful and it's all true, except for all the other things that happen in your life. God's people have been struggling with feeling like God was absent or silent or just not doing anything forever. For like for millennia, you don't you don't have to go back as far as the Psalms to see that, but even John of the Cross, who wrote about the dark night of the soul, he literally was locked in a closet, so it was dark for him, wondering maybe where God, why, why God let his monastic brethren lock him in a closet. I think he was kind of annoying. I can't remember. I think he was kind of annoying, and so they were like, yeah. <laughs> but, but get out of here. But you can imagine that was trying for him. I wanted to share that story that this is a thing that is going on, especially back then when I started in 2016, deconstruction was still kind of a thing on the horizon or kind of a thing coming. People were starting to use that language. I just wanted to share that, hey, you can actually go through this. This is a normal part of the journey. So you can go through it and come out on the other side. Yes. Will you shed some things that maybe you don't need to believe anymore that were kind of added on to the gospel? Yeah but you'll find yourself in Christ. I like to say you'll find yourself. God will give you the identities of who he's made you to be. And that's the place from which we serve in the world after that. So that's what I was hoping to do. And I've had a chance to do it. I think to this point, it's interesting that you talk about that deconstruction movement, coupling that together with the dark night of the soul, because it seems to me, and and I don't want to generalize or minimize anyone's experience, but when it comes to that deconstruction, it often seems to be that someone has struck that dark night of the soul, but because they've been taught that the Christian Mm -hmm. life is totally lived in victory, they take that as this doesn't work at all, rather than this is something that we see in scripture, that we see throughout Christian history, and God is on the other side, we just need to find our way back toward him. Is that something that you're trying to relate to your listeners? Absolutely. But I would even say this, that even though God is silent, or maybe you can't hear him right now, he is not absent. He is in the desert as well. I have a friend who once said, the desert can be a beautiful place if you know what to look for and if you can appreciate the beauty. God is still there. He's still is walking with them, even if you can't tell. Mother Teresa once said that she only felt the presence of God for one month of her life. 
Isn't that crazy? All the work that she did. I think that's just a normal part of the experience of being a believer. And so part of part of what I'm trying to say is go through it and accept where you are and trust God through it so that he will bring you through. He will hold you. And so feel feel free to, like I said, I think there are things that get added on to the gospel that we think are they're really cultural, that we take on, that we can shed. And sometimes God asks us to do that. Um, I just had a conversation for my show this morning with someone. She has, she has a chronic autoimmune disease, and she had to surrender the idea of productivity. You know, we talk a lot about how God wants to use us and we want to be productive for the kingdom and things like that. All good things. But for her, that had to be an identity that, that was given up. She found the Lord's joy in her being by just allowing herself to exist. So those are the kind of things I like to talk about because I think they are experiences that need to be shared. That brings up another interesting point. As we look through Scripture, there are several passages that are talking to to one group of people or another, and sometimes we tend to take them on as this is God's standard for us all the way through. So when you're talking about that productivity, when you're talking about various other things that seem to mark the Christian life, obviously there is a lot in Scripture that talks to us right throughout time, but there are some of those that are individually talking to a group of people or a person, do you think sometimes we take them on and think, I've got to have that lived experience myself? Absolutely. So that's one reason why we got to learn to read scripture appropriately. We have to understand the historical context, the grammatical context, all those kinds of things, and know that it's not, not everything is going to always work the same as it does for people. I mean, can you imagine if you wanted to get married and you sent like your associate or somebody to go and find a spouse like among your relatives, like Abraham did for, for Isaac, right? Like that would be ludicrous today. Right. But it was normal in their culture. I think there's a lot of things that we try to apply like that sometimes that just are inappropriate. There's a large amount of scripture that is, Hey, this is the story of people who have followed God in the past. Right. And there's a lot there that is, this is what you can apply in your life today. And we look to the epistles where Paul is writing, and there's a lot in there that we can apply directly to our life. But there's also a lot of, hey, this is how it was for this person back in this time. Being able to, to come to Scripture and understand it can sometimes seem difficult for people. So how do we start to get that real understanding of what's for me, what's just telling me the history of these people who have lived on God's earth in the past. Well, I have in my email a quote from Oswald Chambers that says, never make a principle out of your own experience. Leave God enough room to be as creative with other people as he was with you, right? Uh, So I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. And I think that's true with scripture. We can't take everything that happens and make it a principle or a rule. But I've been really captivated lately by the idea of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached. The kingdom is this wild, weird, subversive thing that doesn't seem to adhere to any of the rules of the world the way that we experience it normally, right? So I've been really captivated by Jesus in his passion. And so like when he gets arrested, 
Peter, you know, he told Peter to bring swords. I still haven't figured out why he did that. But so Peter's like, oh, this must be the time and pulls out his swords and like attacks Romans. Like, well, that's a stupid thing to do because the Romans were brutal and they were like, they would could have dispatched him very quickly. But so Jesus says, no, stop. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. This is not the kingdom of God, right? It's not, we're not here for power. That's not what's, what's happening for by, to live by force. Interesting. The other one is, and I'll get to your, to your specific question is when Jesus is in front of Pilate and Pilate says, Hey, don't you like Jesus is not answering him. He says, don't you understand that I have hold the power of your life and death in my hands? Pilate is kind of asserting his, his authority, trying to get an answer out of Jesus. And Jesus says, you wouldn't have any authority if it weren't given to you from above. That's the kingdom of God in both those situations. That's him at the time when it mattered most in his life, taking and trusting that the kingdom of God is completely different than all the powers that be around him, whether force or political power. It wasn't those things. It was something quite different. So when we ask a question like, like you did, how do we take that and grab that on for ourselves? I think we have to wrestle with Jesus and his teachings about the kingdom of God. What does this mean? What is it like? How does he live it out? Certainly in those hours of his life where it was the most critical and maybe in all the rest too, and then take those ideas and apply them to our everyday experience. I think that's what the apostles were doing. That's what they were trying to say over and over again in all these different ways. Hey, you're not this anymore. You used to be all these terrible things, and now you're these things. These, you're children of God. You're part of the priesthood, a royal priesthood, and Peter talks about that. Those are sort of mindset shifts that I think the apostles are trying to get us to understand so that we can bring the kingdom of God to bear on our lives. I want to just briefly touch on the dark night of the soul again and, and just discover what has that been for you? And I know that for, for most of us that have lived in the faith for many years, there'll, there'll be a number of times, but maybe mm-hmm. you can give us one example where there was that dark night of the soul for you and how you started to see light through that. I've had at least two seasons that I would call a dark night of the soul. I'll briefly describe those. One was, so I grew up in a Christian house. I went to Bible college to learn to study the Bible and I like to say I went to seminary to learn how to pray. But between there, after I graduated college, and I did about a year and a half of my Master of Divinity at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Illinois. My last semester, I just could barely do any work. I look back at it now and I can go, oh, that was a that was probably some depression. It was it was definitely a dark night. I felt like God was abandoning me because so many things were going wrong. All these things. So like we had been married maybe five years and marriage was just a lot harder than we thought it would be. We were having our first baby and thing, it was it was crazy. My parents were getting divorced. My sister got married and divorced kind of around that same time. My in-laws were homeless and living with us for a while. All these things that were happening that were just really overwhelming. And I felt like here I am trying to pursue degrees to become a pastor and what are you doing, God? Like, what is the, what is this? Where in the world are you? And I had to take a break. And that turned out to be three years, two kids, and one dark night of the soul. Like, it was just, I questioned everything my own usefulness, my own like sense of calling. I had no idea what really God wanted me to do. 
it was just everything I tried was just kind of not the place to go. I wanted to go into the music business. I'm not really a great musician. I love music, but I wanted to be like close to it and be in the business. Then it completely changed kind of after that. So I think God protected me from going in that direction. And there's other things like that I, that I tried to do. So that turned out to be a real tough time. But even then I went, eventually we ended up coming out to Denver. I started school. I finished up, took me a few years and that was I mean, really kind of a, just a distraction perhaps from the stuff going on because I was so busy. I went to school full-time, worked full-time, tried to do a little ministry to get some experience. And then we had a young family. And so I was just re- busy, busy, busy for like four years. After that came the season when I really think was probably the really defining season of my life. I graduated during the downturn, 2009. So some of the church jobs that I could have gotten didn't exist anymore. Like they just were gone and there were way better, more qualified people. I could have probably gone to a rural church or something like that, but kids were starting to school and I just didn't want to move unless I was sure that I was going to stay someplace for a long time. And I didn't ever really feel like I was leading any place. But then I had a lot of questions, right? Like, hey, I did all the schooling. I did all this stuff. I did all the things I was supposed to do. What's the deal? What's wrong with me? Turned out it wasn't anything wrong with me. It's more wrong with the economy. <laughs> but I had a lot of hard questions to ask. And I ended up working in the financial industry for a total of 13 years. I worked there the entire time I was in school. I don't really enjoy the financial world. I don't like numbers. I'm not savvy in that way in any way. I just was bouncing people's checks for a living, which leaves a little scar on your soul. You know, like I was a bouncer. I like to say I was a bouncer. Um, or blocking their debit cards. So I just, my job was to ruin people's day for a living. So that was not fun to go to. <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of make the mess and other people would clean it up. But what I discovered in that season was podcasting. I couldn't have known it when I first started listening to podcasts really in earnest. I was bored doing my work all day, every day, trying to find a way to entertain myself. And I found podcasts to listen to and to discuss or to, to just hear. This was kind of when Serial was coming out, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire. I used to listen to like Cliff Ravenscraft and Michael Hyatt. And I soon started to figure out some of these people were Christians and they were talking about online business, give, 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 and then ask before you make an offer and really serve your audience. Things that I believed already, but were applied to online business. I thought that was pretty cool. That's what started to make me believe, oh, okay, maybe there is something here for me. I tried a bunch of other kind of online ventures. Nothing really took off partly because I didn't pursue them to completion. And then I decided I needed to start a podcast. And that really allowed me to bring in my spiritual formation stuff back into kind of part of my life. The rest is history, I guess. And of course, you were starting a podcast back in the days when people thought, podcast, what's that? Right. <laughs> and that must have been an interesting journey to, to first of all, jump into a market that wasn't fully formed at that stage. And even guests, I imagine, would be thinking, what are you talking about? You want to talk to me and do what? I I literally, a couple of my first guests I had on my show, they let me record it and they were like, now what are you going to do with this? I said, I'm going to publish it on the internet. I'm going to put it out there. Oh, okay. I wish I wouldn't have said as much as I did. And I tried, I edited a few things for them, but they didn't even really realize that this is actually going to be freely available to people, which kind of blew me away. But they were great stories, and I was grateful to them for letting me share them. The whole idea of podcasting, too, comes back to, I guess, an analogy to that spiritual walk in that 
so many people jump in on podcasting, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to suddenly be <laughs> famous. It's all going to work out for me. And they find it doesn't. And yet it's no. that consistency. And that's one of your key messages in podcasting is that consistency of turning up, even when it feels like, no, nah, this isn't going anywhere, but being consistent with that and following through. And I guess there are parallels into the life of faith of that consistency oh, yeah. of following those practices. Yeah, hundred percent. So knowing that you need to just keep showing up allows you to grow. So I actually had to hire a coach. So the way that I got out of this was I was really, really kind of paralyzed with fear. Finally, I, I ran into actually a guy that I went to school with and he had become a coach in that, in the intervening years and he taught me this idea of iteration that you could start out and not be great at something. And I think this applies to our spiritual life too, right? I'll take everybody's like least favorite spiritual discipline, fasting. You may not be good at fasting. None of us are going to do a 40-day fast tomorrow. Maybe you are, but I'm not. It'd be really hard. And Jesus did one of those, right? You don't start out that way. You start out and you do a meal and then you do maybe a day or whatever. And you kind of, you kind of build up to that same with prayer, same with anything you iterate and you build up the the tolerance. Well, podcasting is the same way you iterate. So you start your show and you let it grow. I don't change things as much anymore as I did really early on, but I changed the way I edit. I change the way I put my music. I change the way I ask questions over and over and over again, because that's just how you get better at it. And you just got to show up and put in the reps. And as you do, you will, not only will you get better, but you'll find it more satisfying and you'll eventually be able to look back and go, oh, that's amazing. And I know that throughout all the podcast episodes that you've released, you do go into some of those wonderful times in faith, but also some of those difficult times for people even people who are still going through difficulties to say, you know what, this is all right. This is a part of life. What has been the response from people who have heard some of those episodes and thought, oh, it's not just me? I always love to hear that when people go, that really resonated with me, or there's a something that they listened to and they were excited to hear about. If I can just encourage one person to just stay on the journey and just to be okay with where they are in the journey. I'm pleased with that. You're not wanting to to come out front and say, look at all that I've done. But at the same time, there's there's a lot going on in the Christian podcasting world that you have had your hand in, in quietly behind the scenes, encouraging people in helping them to get their story out. And again, when we're talking, as we started talking about all these different ways of approaching faith, you're helping people that are approaching faith in different ways, who are approaching podcasting as a Christian in different ways. That must be enormously satisfying for you, as well as having your own podcast, but knowing that you've had a part to play in many podcasts. Mm. I love that. That is actually one of my most favorite accomplishments. I love my podcast, but I love helping other people even more with their podcasts because I think there's a ripple effect. You know, I think about that. I had an episode early on called ripples of the gospel. And I think of that so often when like, I don't, I don't have to just, it's not just me and my show that is the impact. You're in there, your show. It's 
other people. I at 3000, I think there's 3,400 people in CPA. Not all of them are podcasters. I somehow get to influence and shape and help people make an impact in that way. And these ripples go out. And I do not think of this as a 2023 impact. I think of it as what ways might we make today that will still be going in 50 or 100 or 200 or even 500 years. I know that seems maybe a little self-aggrandizing, but we're still dealing with the effects of a few words that a guy tacked onto a door somewhere in Germany, right? Today. And I know that there's things that can happen if we just, you know, stay the course and we, you know, produce some positive change. So I look at it that way. God always takes a long view. And I think that's a more part of the the kingdom of God kind of stuff that I was talking about. I'm sure that there are people listening who want to get hold of your podcast and hear some of those stories. As you say, well over 300 episodes there of people, everyday people who are going through life just as we all are and how they're coping with that and how their faith applies to that life. Where's the easiest place for people to find you? Best place to find me is if you just go to your podcast app and search halfway there, you'll find the show. You can go to halfwaytherepodcast.com, find the show as well, and as well as everything else that I that I do. Eric, it has been an absolute delight to have you on Bleeding Daylight. I want to thank you so much for all that you do, and thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. I have to say but before we go that you have the coolest podcast title ever. I just think it's great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.